When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dear Black Girl. And today we have a digital producer from Radio One, who's also a multimedia journalist. And I met her a few years ago at a music festival in DC called Chelectro. And yeah. her name is Lauren, aka Bobby Pin. So Dear Black Girl, meet Bobby Pin. Hey, Uni. Hey, Bobby. How are you? How have you been? I'm good, girl, grinding, trying to be like you. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us how you got into being a multimedia journalist and digital producing for Radio One. Yes, yeah, so um went to Temple University in 2006, expecting to be a magazine writer. I just know I was going to write for, like, Cosmo or Essence or Ebony or something like that. And um among my first classes this is probably the first day of class we had a professor tell all of us who were studying print journalism that we were crazy to go into a dying industry um but that they admired our guts so that kind of set the tone i guess for my career in terms of unexpected turns that ultimately led me um on the right path and i guess i would even say to my destiny so because temple had that foresight that print and just media in general was preparing to evolve and shift to digital um, a lot of my courses required that I not only have impeccable writing skills, but also learn how to speak in front of the camera or microphone, um, produce audio, be a photographer, videographer, and things of that nature. Um, so naturally, upon graduation, trying to find a job, I couldn't find anything that was the right fit. So I took matters into my own hands and created thebobbypin.com. Um, which is how we met. Uh, I started doing that just on a freelance tip, talking to local artists in D.C., um, and the more I did that, the more people started to pay attention, and I got invitations to bigger events and opportunities like music festivals, album release parties, red carpets, or what have you. Um, so my work through that, as well as life circumstances, I got put out from my aunt's house um, in late 2015, and out of frustration, I just, like, tweeted the D.C. Radio 1 stations, um, you know, when is my start date? I knew that they were looking for a new online editor. So I just, you know, found the balls to claim the job, really. And mm-hmm. the right person saw it. <laughs> Shout out to AC The Plug. Um, and she was able to pull me in. So I kind of got the job from a tweet. Um, but definitely, you know, I had to work in the experience to back it up. I think that's so dope because, like, I got my job here. <laughs> Hello? People don't take social media seriously. Like, it can really be the plug. I know. So, okay, you said your aunt put you out. Was it, like, kind of like, you know, you know how, like, Nicole Vicky tells self story of how her aunt put her out because she wasn't, like, really applying for jobs, but she was, like, actually working on her website at the time? Was it, like, that type of thing? It was very similar to that. In fact, um, to go beyond that, Nicole that she was living with her aunt because her parents were deceased. And very similarly, um, my mom 
and my aunt, who are sisters, were living together. And when my mom passed, my aunt just kind of stepped in, which I'm grateful for. She's still in my life. We still have a, a great relationship now. But at the time, I think she was just frustrated and wanted to make sure that I wasn't getting comfortable, um, which, again, I can look back at that and say, but in the moment, oh, I was mad. I was mad as hell. Because I, in my mind, I felt like I was trying. You know what I mean? I was making TV appearances. I was figuring out how to get around the country to go cover different events or what have you. So um, I definitely, much like Nicole Bitch, she was putting in the work, but it wasn't visible, I guess, to people who aren't in the in the lifestyle. Um, you know, my aunt is older, so she wasn't on social media. All she saw was that, you know, I'm in the house when most people are at a 9 to 5. <laughs> so, yeah, she put me out. So... How many no's did it take for you to start the body fit? Girl. Um, really, because I'm so fiery. It probably took maybe three, three no's. And I was like, you know what? Screw y'all. It's the whole conundrum that everybody goes through. You can't get a job without experience, but how do you get the experience without the job, right? So I just, I guess I had enough pretty early on in the journey that, like, all right, look, they're going to keep saying the same thing, so let me figure out what I need to do to create the experience that they say that I need. Um, and I do want to, I guess, give credit to Temple University, I guess, just being in Philly for planting the hustle bug in me. Um, I took an elective when I was an undergrad called Entrepreneurial Journalism, and the entire point of that was to show, you know, you can make money on your own as a journalist through blogging. And I'm I'm extremely grateful for that course to even open my eyes to that. So, again, when it came time for me to go in the job market and I wasn't getting the response that I thought I should have, you know, I had the grades, I had internships, I felt qualified, um, but they were still saying that I wasn't. So I went back to that course, and I was like, I really can do this for myself, by myself. And on top of that, I can highlight the type of content, the people, the subjects that matter to me and that really doesn't get – that much attention, even though it's just as good, if not better, than some of the things that are mainstream. So, yeah, I guess I'm grateful for just kind of taking that leap of faith and just doing it, you know, not overthinking it and just getting started. So how's it now? Because you spent um, all those years, like, creating your own career and really, like, building content for yourself to now, like, producing content for an actual company which like includes like rules and how things are supposed to go how is that for you it has definitely been a learning curve um in february i'll be coming up on two years with radio one can't believe it's been that long it feels like it's been much longer um but i have definitely grown and been stretched and forced out of my comfort zone in a lot of different areas um but the adjustment again it was a learning curve to an extent because i was kind of used to just doing it my way and i was the only person that i had to rely on to produce the content or or get what i need i didn't need the whole chain of authority or what have you um Uh however uh i am grateful i guess for inside look because it helps me be a better entrepreneur and independent media outlet, if you would, because I know firsthand how the big dogs kind of do it, and I understand why there are things in place. So some of the legal rules, for instance, of you can't just grab stuff off Google and make it an album, I mean, not an album, um, um, an article cover, album. right? Like, yeah. Right, like just little stuff like that I'm grateful to know because my intention is to become a really big personal brand, and I don't want to have those pitfalls later on because I didn't know certain things um so again it was definitely a learning curve but i'm grateful to be stretched and 
to have an inside look at how the industry really does things. Okay. Now let's get to your songs, and let's start with song number five. Okay. This was really hard to put together, by the way, Uni, <laughs> because I, I love music that much. <laughs> I know. It's so hard. So... I'm going to start with Sorry Not Sorry by Demi Lovato. I know that's a pop song. I don't And care. I'm really. <laughs> yes. I'm like, I'm an R&B girl through and through, but Demi Lovato is singing down on this song. Those vocals are strong. And then just the yeah. message is like just how badass she is and how dope it is being a woman. So that's one of my songs I listen to when I'm trying to get pumped up. I was listening to it in the gym on um, Elliptical this morning. So that's my get hype turn up song. <laughs> No, I remember, I don't know, I think I was, was randomly Googling stuff. I was like, oh, what about Demi Lovato's up to? And that song <laughs> popped up, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is such an amazing video and song. And, yes, it is yeah. so fire. Especially when you see, like, how the bar came from the Disney, from Disney Channel days and rehab and all that. See, that's just it. I really wasn't that familiar with her until recently. Probably this song, I think, is what made me pay attention to her. I'm like, wait, like, she really got vocals. <laughs> yes, she's always had vocals. <laughs> I ain't know, girl. I was asleep, but I'm woke now. <laughs> <laughs> so why did that become your anthem? Um, Like I said, it just pumped me up. She's unapologetic. Like, literally, that's the name of the song. And it's just like, I'm the baddest thing walking. I love me, and I don't care who doesn't. And that's such an important message, especially in media, especially striving to be a public figure. There's so many opinions. You know, we watch the people who go viral and the people who get crazy amounts of followers in a short period of time. And a lot of times, it's not necessarily based on substance. It's based on, you know, how they look, what they're willing to show, even behind mm-hmm. the scenes, what they're willing to do to get certain positions or what have you. So I like this song because it just reminds me to put my foot down and stay true to who I am and just love me and all of me and not apologize for it ever. So I love that song. That's an anthem for sure. Look, I feel like um, you have those people, but then you have the people that are, like, true to themselves and they're really honest and show, like, all the good, the bad, and the ugly, and people fall in love with those people as well. That's true. I usually connect with those people um, personally. Those are the people I prefer to follow, just like the really genuine, like you said, they show you from the bottom to the top. Like, I I appreciate and respect that a little more than the people who try to hide the process a little bit. I can't relate to that. I want to know how you handle that obstacle because I'm in a pitfall right now. You know what I mean? So I agree with you. Yeah, there are people that, like, blow up because of their authenticity, and I think we should see more of that. I hope to see more of that moving forward. All right. Song number four. Number four, probably along the same lines, is My Soul Ain't For Sale, and that's by DJ Jazzy Jeff featuring Raheem Devon, who's from D.C. Um, Randomly, Spotify suggested it for me, and that's one (laughs) of the reasons I love Spotify. They know me. They know the artists that I frequently listen to, so they'll make suggestions based on related music or the actual artist. And I get to hear stuff that I never would have heard from, like, old album cuts or, like, features and so, yeah, so I came across this, I guess. I listened to a lot of Raheem. He was my most listened to artist in uh in 2017. So mm-hmm. Spotify was like, hey, here's another one. And I'm like, oh, this joint's fly. <laughs> Why was he your most listened to artist? That's a really great question. I don't know. Other than he just makes really great slow jams. Like I said, I'm an R&B girl. 
And I just mm-hmm. like the, the soul and the peace of R&B and the, I guess, the notion of love. I like hip-hop, please don't get me wrong, and please don't take offense to what I'm about to say next, but sometimes hip-hop is too much, you know what I mean? I don't want to be cussed out in the first 15 seconds of the song every day, all day. <laughs> I can't do that, you know? I don't want to hear about you abusing my, my lady parts, right? Like, that's, that doesn't turn me on. I'd rather hear something sensual and tender and loving or what have you. So artists like Raheem provide that to the industry, um, even if it's not as appreciated as I personally think it should be. Um, you know, so I just, like I said, I need to clear my head and take a step back, especially working at a hip-hop station. You can only be rah-rah, but so long in a day. Like, I need a break from that, so. <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> no, well, no don't get me wrong. I could twerk and turn up, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, you, you can tell your limit. But I also think it's because of um, where we grew up, because it's like, it's like a lot of soulful R&B music. And then hip-hop came later, but, like, we I feel like if you grew up in D.C., you really weren't that into hip-hop like that. You were more into the neo-so, the R&B, the oldies, and, of course, the go-go. And then, like, yes. and then hip-hop, it was like, hey, if it came on, you knew what you listened to it, but it's like, it's whatever. And so, like, I don't know, the late 2000s, but the second part of the um, 2000s, and that's when it was like, okay. Everything yeah, was and then we got Wale Cat. Which nothing is wrong with that, you know what I mean? Like, we have a lot of hip hop artists that are like making noise right now. So I'm proud of Gold Link. I'm proud of Wale for opening the door for all those guys for us. Shaq mm-hmm. Lizzie, uh, you know what I mean? Chaz French. Like we're we're doing good in the hip hop scene, and I support all of them. So please, like I said before, don't get it twisted. Like I have an appreciation and a respect for hip hop, but my first love is soul because I grew up in church. So. Yeah. R&B has a lot of influence from gospel and blues or what have you, so that's just, I can't, I can't help it. I can't escape it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you've met Raheem before, right? Girl, so many times. Yeah. <laughs> so what was the first time? Oh, my God. Okay, the first time I met Raheem Devine was really special and actually ties into my media journey. So, as we stated, I established thebobbypin.com in, like, 2010-ish, and I lost my way. I don't know how to say it other than that. I lost my way, and I took about a year and a half off just out of frustration, and I felt like people weren't watching, which if I had to do it over again, I would not have been so focused on followers. I just would have cre- kept creating the content, but you live and you learn. And I, like I said, got sidetracked, stepped away from it. And around 2012, a couple of my followers were like, yo, we really miss your blog. Like, you, that was a cool voice. Like, you were doing something dope. Like, what happened to it? So right when I made the decision, like, all right, I'm going to get back on it, Raheem Devine had launched an online radio show. And he would mm-hmm. have guest artists, whoever was in town for that week or what have you, they would come by the station and do a live taping of his show as well as, like, a little mini performance. So Kendrick Lamar was in town. This is Right before Good Kid, Mad City, right after uh-huh. Section 80. I had just got hit to him, like, literally maybe, like, two weeks before this. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I need to be in the building for this. Like, that's crazy. Like, Kendrick Lamar's about to blow up. I don't know how I knew. I just knew he was about to be a big thing. So I'm like, I <laughs> want to be at the forefront of that. So Raheem had, like, tweeted. I was in the middle of the night, too. I'm up. Don't act like I was up. But he tweeted out, you know, anybody who DMs me some crazy words that I'm not going to repeat on the podcast right now can have access <laughs> to the thing. So I DM'd him, I'm like, look, I ain't going to say that word to you, but I would really like to be at that show. It was good. So he asked for my email address, 
And the next day I got an email from the studio where he was recording that I was invited. So I came in as a guest, but, of course, I had my camera always ready to go. <laughs> and I plugged <laughs> myself, you know, to the guy who owned the studio and just anybody that would, like, listen to me. Hey, I'm an up-and-coming blogger. I would love to come to Morty's. Like, here's what I can offer you, what have you. So I came back and I took the photos and I got them on um, examiner.com. And I had a couple of, I recorded like part of the interview, which was Raheem and Angie Ange from 93.9 WKYS. And I put that up on YouTube, which is still up there. Um, and a couple of like national brands picked it up. But at that event, I just went up to Raheem and like, he was just in the hallway. He's, he's really humble and just accessible. So he was in the hallway. I was super nervous because I'm a big fan. And I just <laughs> asked him, could I take a picture? He took a picture with me. You said you were really like, you were walking here with because like, you felt like people weren't traveling to your website like that? Yes. I mean, it's still hard to get people to pay attention to you because there's so much noise online. But also, at that time, I mean, I didn't know half the SEO and SMO tips and skills that I have now. So I'm begging, basically, friends and family, like, hey, check out my blog, watch my stuff. And I'm grateful for the early adopters who did chime in, but I feel like sometimes, it's not a complaint, it just is what it is. But I feel like sometimes when people know you, they take you for granted and they're not as excited as they would be for a stranger. Mm-hmm. So I think that that that's really probably what frustrated me more than anything. I was just like, yo, you my we went to school together, we grew up in church together, you my family and you're not supporting me, but I'm watching you repost XYZ. So and then also people like people I knew in real life wanted to be rappers and they would send me music and it wasn't really good. I'm just being honest. So that made me feel really awkward. I, at the time, I didn't really know how to handle that. I didn't want to hurt people's feelings because I, I find myself, to an extent, I'm a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. Um, so And I'm also like a perfectionist. So I'm like, I don't really know how to tell these people I don't want to play their music. So <laughs> very stupidly, I, I, I just was like, all right, I don't even want to do it no more. So I just like stepped away. <laughs> all right. So number three. Song number three, wow. Um, Nothing Without You by Karen Clark Shear and Faith Evans. And I picked this one because it's a throwback. It's from the 90s. I don't remember exactly what year it is. But it was heavy set Karen Clark Shear. She lost a lot of weight, if you are familiar with, like, the gospel team. <laughs> and I love this song because, first off, Karen's voice is amazing. Like, she's one of the greatest vocalists to ever touch the face of the earth. And it's very jazz influenced. So even though it's a gospel song, it's not one of those. And I don't know how this is gonna sound, but whatever. <laughs> but it's not one of those gospel songs that like beat you over here, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It just gets the point across as like there's reverence for his power and how he assists uh-huh. us throughout our day and throughout our lives or what have you. But it's just real mellow and like a love song, really. It, it is a love song, just to Jesus. But it got a little jazz up tempo, a little funk to it. Um, she's doing scatting and runs. And then, of course, there's Faith Evans in it. So then that brings in the hip hop and R&B influence. And, you know, Faith is blowing down, doing her thing. And this is a really vibey song. It feels good. It's one of those songs you can put on and it just drive and it makes your day feel better. So what were you the first time you heard that song? I don't even remember. <laughs> Probably when the album came up. I mean, I grew up in church and, um, my cousin, who was one of my biggest influences and has a lot to do with my passionate interest in the entertainment scene, um, was a music teacher and the choir director at our church. So 
he always was up on like the latest releases and all of that. So I would assume I probably heard it with him. Mm-hmm. And then it came up again on Spotify recently. <laughs> and that's how I knew it was there. I'm telling you, look, Spotify needs to send me a check how I be bragging on them. I really love Spotify to the point where I haven't even tried another streaming service. So I can't tell you whether Tidal or Apple Music is good or bad because I just love Spotify that much. And I'm a loyal person anyway. Like, Spotify knows me. It's like, this is like an ongoing relationship. And just because a handsome new guy comes along, you know, you're not going to turn your back on forever, babe. So that's how I feel about Spotify. <laughs> uh, so how has Willichel had the church been on your life? Very. And it feels weird saying that because I do not regularly attend right now. Not from what if my aunties hear this. I'm sorry. But God knows my heart. But I grew up in church. I would spend six out of seven days a week in church um, for a, a portion of my life. Girl, girl. Yeah. <laughs> my great-grandma would have me in church every day from sunup to sundown. It got to a point where I, when I got older, I just stopped going to church. So I was like, yeah, I went to church for a lifetime. No. <laughs> you church me out, right? I was like, I just church out. If I go to church, it's like I really have to be in church. But my old grandma churched me out. I was like, yo, I can just talk to guys on my own. I don't have to go to church for this, man. But my grandma churched me out all the time. <laughs> yes, I seriously think that. And, I mean, you know, only I, – I hear a lot of arguments about fellowship. That's really what church is supposed to be. So you can go be with other like-minded people and you have guidance and leadership or what have you. But I'm turned off by the concept of church because of some of the traditions, if that makes sense. And I feel like that's the only thing that really separates any of the religions, right? At the end of the day, all of the religions believe that we should just be morally sound people, be good to others, respect your neighbor, right? Like, we all agree on that. But when it comes to you're supposed to dress a certain way, you're supposed to eat this or not eat that, or even certain changes in our religious texts that we read, like, that's the part that throws me off. And I'm like, don't we lose the whole point when we start imposing I'm sorry, I didn't went off on a tangent, but I'm still figuring out my spirituality. I know that I'm a spiritual person. I absolutely believe there's a higher being. I know that there's something that guides me and leads me because if it was up to me to keep me and keep me safe, I would have screwed up by now. You know what I mean? I think about some of the situations I done put myself in. I'm like, there has to be something greater than me. There has to be something that's watching over me and making sure I'm okay. And that's just like being like, no, this is your path and we're going to stick to it. Exactly, exactly. But yes, girl, I I grew up in church. I even went to Catholic school for a little bit, which was girl, really I was interesting. Like I was <laughs> well, I grew up Baptist, so going to Catholic school was like real different. <laughs> I know, so even though I. it's okay. both Christianity. No, no, no. <laughs> All right, okay. tell me your experience. So, grandma's a Baptist, and it's like I I recently found out that my grand the church I used to go to all the time when I was little was the church that my grandma my great grandma founded. I was like, oh, this makes sense why I was always here every day of the week just when I was growing up. And then my mom, my mom put me in Catholic school. I think I went to Catholic school one year of my life, one year, from pre-K so I graduated college because I went to the Catholic college, too. Wow. I've been in school my entire life. I was like, yo, I'm searched out. I'm so, I'm searched <laughs> out. Uh, um, it got to a point where, like, I, I had to start studying other people's religion. <laughs> I was like, I started taking classes on the Quran and um, 
and Muslim teachers have started taking classes on Hindu and this other stuff. I was like, yeah, I got to learn something else because I'm churched out. I feel like I know the Bible inside and out. I had, there, there was a class dedicated to just the Bible I had to take in high school where we read the entire Bible. And I was like, wow. yeah, I'm, I'm churched out. <laughs> I need something else. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. So forgive me, Grandma, but no. You know, I feel like as long as you don't stray too far, you know, when, you know, if life happens and you decide that that's something that really is important to you, at least is how I'm looking at it for me, you know, then I'll go back. But until then, I feel like I read devotionals, I meditate, you know, I talk directly to God. I feel like that that matters. That counts for something, right? Yeah, that's what I feel like. Like, I, I sit there and I have conversations with God. I sit there and I pray about things, this and the other. And it's just like, it's never material things. It's just always prayer like, yo, thank you for protecting me, protecting my family. Keep my family and friends in their prayers. Stay, keep them watching, make sure we all go home safe. So it's just like regular stuff every day. I think he'll understand. I hope so. <laughs> or I hope so. <laughs> so like, I'm still here. <laughs> Song number two. Wifeable by Masego. I, I think I'm saying his that. name right. I don't need, I've never even heard that song before. How's it go? It's a really fun song, and the hook is basically speak singing, if you would. And if you like that girl right there, wifeable, she gonna be my girlfriend. But it's just a cute little, like, vibe. It's, um, a tempo. But the thing I love about it is Masego is, like, this 20-something little rapper or artist rather from california i believe but he plays the saxophone mm-hmm. and again like i really have an appreciation for true artistry and like soul music so again like my cousin i, I was saying is a music teacher and a um he's a choir director he exposed me to orchestras and we would go to plays and musicals where instrumentation mattered so when I think of great artistry, my standard is probably a little different from the average casual listener that just kind of, and no offense to that person, but that just grew up on what is played on the radio and doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily explore other stuff. So I like this young man off the strength that he actually plays an instrument, right? <laughs> like, no offense to beat machines, like, those are dope, but that takes skill right. and discipline. Yeah, so, but I like that song because, I don't know, I'm just, Working on building up my self-esteem, so if you notice, I guess a lot of my explanations kind of all go along that line, right, is defining who I am and making sure that I am steadfast in that, especially in an industry, again, where there's a lot of temptation to kind of be somebody else or do something else to get attention or what have you. So anything that keeps me grounded and just reminds me that, like, I am good enough exactly the way I am, I'm going to love that song. And that's what the song, Wifeable, just reminds me of that I deserve good love. You know, not just somebody to say I got somebody, but that's going to treat me right and, like, think I'm the most beautiful thing in the world. So, <laughs> so why, are you having, why do you feel as if you're having trouble defining yourself and, like, who you are? Um, That's a really great question. First off, I guess I would say that I'm just really ambitious. And that you're ambition right? and that hunger oh. for ambitious. In mm-hmm. that ambitious and hunger and desire for like more. 
sometimes just honestly and admittedly causes me to like kind of look to the left of me or the right of me or oh I see that person doing XYZ and that's working for her like I wonder if that would work for me or you know or this person's doing XYZ how they get that and I've been trying to get XYZ you know so I'm just being honest I don't know if a lot of people go through that and just don't speak on it but I do and I don't mind admitting that that's a pain point that again I'm working on in terms of just keeping my head down focusing on my lane and just defining who I am, what I stand for, for me. Um, I guess I would even add to that, going back to our church conversation, is that a lot of rules and principles are placed on us from society, our communities, our families, you know, the people that we live with, that as adults we are allowed to actually go back and look at and really determine whether or not that's something we believe for ourselves. So I've been dealing with that even on a personal level, like, for instance, my sexuality, like how, you know, what is a slut versus what is um, being somebody who knows what she wants. You know what I mean? Just little stuff like that. Not saying I'm out here like sleeping with everybody, but if I wanted to, I should. But you get what I mean? Like if I wanted to do that, you know, I shouldn't be the one to put that pressure on myself. It's one thing for you to look at me and judge me. That's on you. But for me to make decisions based on, well, how will people think of me or how will people respond to me or if I do that, is that not going to make me wifeable, for instance? That that term even is, like, unfair as fuck. So all of that, everything, in a greater sense, not even just professionally, but just in a greater sense, I want to be steadfast and, like, this is what I believe is how I feel regardless of what outside opinions are. Yeah, and I'm like, that's um, that's like an everyday struggle because, like, I don't know, I feel like you're you're taught that there's a certain way that you're supposed to carry yourself as, like, a woman and as a man and this and the other. And, like, the societal views on how you should be as a person, which might not always fit who you actually are as a person. Yep. So how's the journey been going so far And you trying to find yourself? Um, <laughs> it's been a roller coaster, and I'm certain this is going to be something that I will probably be going through until the day I die because I hope to continue to evolve and become you know, keep moving closer to my highest self and my highest being. But in terms of, I guess, the conscious journey, um, it's been interesting and entertaining and exciting in a lot of ways and frustrating in a lot of ways. Um, Again, just because I put pressure on myself. So something like a professional, to somebody else it may not be a loss, but to me it might be like an L or whatever. Like that affects me really hard, and I kind of carry stuff on like, damn, I wish I could have done XYZ better or differently. Or in an interview, for instance, I'll watch back some of my interviews and be like, fuck, that was a follow-up question right there, and I didn't ask it. And that left it open for somebody else to get that scoop or exclusive. You know what I mean? So I'm just always, like, critiquing myself, which on the one hand is great, and that's what I would like to believe attracts people to me and, and makes people, you know, say that I inspire them or what have you because I am critical of myself as as well as others as opposed to being that person that's always pointing the finger and judging everybody else. Like, I, I'm kind of hard on, my, on myself, too. Um, but, you know, that reflection also allows, and the acknowledgement of that allows me to be more patient with myself and, and recognize that I am human and that I am going to be flawed and that the decision I made today that I thought was a good decision, I might look back at it and feel like it wasn't. Or vice versa, you know what I mean? I might have not made a decision and recognize, you know, thank God I didn't do that. So... Yeah, it's just yeah. it's an everyday kind of up and down thing, but it's you know I'm in it, and it's like I said, it's exciting I guess to even be aware enough to want to work on myself and personal development because there's some people who just be 
going through life on autopilot. I would say, like, with that, um, everyone brought our own worst critics in the world because nothing we do to us seems like it's, what, it's, it's good enough. Like, what we envision and how it comes out, I feel like that's for everyone. And that's what I be trying to remind myself is that, like, I know you're a perfectionist. I know you want it right away, whatever it is. I know, you know what I mean? I know you want to be the best. But, like, it's okay to be in a support role. It's okay to stumble so you can fix it later. And, in fact, I've really been trying to encourage myself. Sometimes it's good to, like, mess up because it shows you can have growth as opposed to you set the bar so high there's no room to grow, if that makes sense. I'm not saying I just want to put out trash, but, I, you know. Again, I feel like sometimes yeah. people get hung up on it being perfect rather than just doing it. And that's where I'm, I am right now professionally. I'm just trying to get these ideas out rather than just keep, whatever word I'm looking for is, rather keep overthinking it until I just it's don't do it at all because I, I have a bad habit of that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, like, it's one of those, like, if you don't do it and you just keep thinking about it and trying to plan it, like, it'll never happen. Or someone else will do it and you'll just be even mad at yourself like I could just did this and started and just worked on it from here yes yes seriously like that has happened several times and you can't even be mad at the other person because again you were sitting on it <laughs> so yeah I definitely feel you song number one. Oh man song number one add to me by Lettucey which is off her most recent album and this one is more external in its empowerment, and I appreciate that perspective as well. And basically in the song, Lettuce, kind of, she's specifically talking to, like, men, I guess, who would be suitors or trying to date her or what have you. But I feel like this just goes for any and everybody that wants to be in your life. And you can't be in my space unless you can add to what I'm trying to do or making me a better person. And I feel like in 2018, that is indeed an anthem and a word. You know what I mean? Like, when you're on a path to success, you can't waste time investing in people who, A, are not on the same page as you, and B, who have nothing to offer you. And being a, a very kind person, I have a big heart, I, you know, I want to help people, I want to see everybody succeed. I, I firmly believe there's literally enough room for everybody. So I, um, I find myself trying to encourage and build up people who ain't ready. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're not even ready to receive my words of affirmation or support or encouragement. So... Not to say I'm giving up on you or that I don't want to invest in you, but what am I getting back? You know what I mean? I'm giving, giving, giving. You know, you can't give from an empty cup. So I just appreciate that song as a reminder that if you want to be in my space, specifically when it comes to love and romance, um, you know, the closer I get to 30, the more people want to know when you're going to be married, when you're going to start having kids. When I find somebody who can add to me, okay? So. What dating been like as you tried to, like, chase off your dreams and build your career? What has dating been like for you? <sighs> that's <Question. all> <laughs> it, it, that's Yes, that is the description. That sound, my exhale. <laughs> it's been really interesting. I mean, I've met a lot of really great guys, and I'm grateful to, you know, all of them who have come into my life to build me up, speak life into me, encourage me, or what have you. But I've also met a lot of busters who ain't nothing but distractions and or just want to use you, right? Like, like all right, when I was Bobby Pin, just Bobby Pin, it was people who wanted to be around. But definitely working for a radio station now is way more, like, 
people will be friends you can you get my song on the radio or can I get some free tickets or I want to meet someone so or just just to be around just to be in pictures and stuff I'm like ain't nobody got time for that mm-hmm. and then my girl put me on I never thought about this but it's dudes that try to trap women or just want that notch in their belt right like yeah they just to say that they had a body pin or they had a uni you know what I mean like Nah, I don't. I don't there, want that. I don't need that around me. There, there are there are trapping men, like just like women trap, men trap as well. <laughs> that sounds oh. so crazy. I didn't learn that until like a couple of months ago. That is so crazy to me, girl. Like, niggas really get out here trapping. Can I say niggas? Dude, we really out here trapping. How does your friend explain this? She's funny. So we were talking about this guy. Who just will out of the blue periodically be like, you're really amazing or you're really great or you're beautiful, right? Just out of the blue mm-hmm. every three weeks he'll send it and then like not really continue a conversation or make no effort to actually like get to know me or try to date me. So I'm like, what is this dude's purpose or whatever? And she was like, she's actually here right now. I wonder if I could get her to come in here. But basically she was like, <laughs> um, what did she say? I want to repeat it verbatim. It was so funny. But basically, she described it the same way you would think of, like, a woman trying to trap, like, a basketball player or a rapper or something like that. Like, they uh-huh. want the status. They want a woman that can potentially take care of them. And because I come across as, like, a leader and somebody who got their stuff together, like, I would be a prime target for that type of guy that's, like, kind of lazy and just wants to live off his woman and that I should watch my back. And I'm just like, when I thought about how she said it, I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. It probably is a bum-ass dude to think he's just going to come find, like, little Miss CEO. And he's going to sit on the couch and play, you know, Call of Duty <laughs> the rest of his life. Oh, my God. Me, but. That, is, that is a good point. It's like, um, as far as, like, dating when you're on the journey of, like, chasing your dream, like, you, it has to always be someone that adds value to you. And at the same time, there are people that in the beginning add value, and after a while, the value they add just starts to diminish and not be there anymore. And, like, mm-hmm. it can become distraction. It can, like, take you off. And I don't know. I feel like it's one of those you have to know when is the right time to, like, I guess go separate ways or you're going to just be – get stuck. Or, like, mm-hmm. not stuck in a relationship, like, lost. Just stuck and then trying to, like, regain all the time you lost or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, I guess that's been a concern of mine, which is why I probably haven't been dating like that. I don't want to get distracted or sidetracked from my goals. But at the same time, girl, I'm just, I'd be lonely. You know what I mean? I'm in a new city, so I'm not even going to lie. Like, I kind of wish I did have that companion that had been with me all along and, like, you know, was down for the ride, basically. Because then, like, every time, like, you get on Facebook and Instagram, someone new is getting married. Girl, every day. I actually kind of hate Facebook some days. I'm like, damn, another engagement, and it ain't me. But then, first off, you don't know what they went through to get to that point. Yeah. So, the grass usually looks green on the other side, and I life will teach you that. And I also have friends that got married kind of young. And they look mm-hmm. at me or they'll, they'll message me or call me or whatever and be like, yo, like, I just really admire how you, like, are really out here chasing your dreams. Like, sometimes I wish I had more going on than just going to work and coming home and being a wife and mom. So when I hear stuff like that, not to say that, you know, one is worse than the other because everybody has a different path and how they can contribute to society. But when I hear that, that does make me feel better that I am trying to be patient, at least, and that I am being pretty picky and selective because my hope is that, 
I want an extravagant ass proposal just like that. <laughs> and I want yeah. to be with somebody who understands and supports, you know, my desire to travel, for instance. Like, that is really important to me. I love going to L.A. to do a red carpet and then flying to New Orleans to do Essence and then going to New York and then coming back to St. Louis. You know what I mean? Like, that's fun to me. So I recognize that that's going to take a special kind of man to be able to understand and support that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I just know I got personal issues that I can honestly admit that I'm working through right now that probably if you attract what you are, I probably am not prepared to attract the right person for me right now. Do you feel me? Does that make sense? Yeah. So I'm okay with being patient and focusing on building me up, not only professionally, but also personally, so that when that does come, I'm prepared to receive it, right? Sometimes people can't receive love, and I'm prepared to maintain it, which means that I'm in a place where I can return the love as well as put in the work because relationships are work. So I'm trying to be patient in this process. There's a lot of busters out here, but I have faith that there are good men and that there's one out there with my name on it. So boom, when we meet, you know, I'm gonna play this back for you and be like, I told you I was waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the main thing you're working to achieve? Domination. Um, very seriously. <laughs> I wanna be, you know, the Disney of digital content. I wanna touch everything. I wanna podcast, I wanna write, I wanna produce shorts and miniseries and movies and documentaries, long-form things. I like commercials. Um, so, yeah, I want to just be a boss-ass, multimedia giant. Um, mm-hmm. And ultimately, you know, I don't want to work. I want to be at the top making the executive decisions, and I got the next generation or the next group of creators up under me that can execute their ideas and, and be able to have the freedom to express themselves. Um, yeah, that's that's the big goal. Okay, so before we go, you have to give me your dear black girl open letter. I know I want it to be so poignant. <laughs> okay. Dear black girl, in awe, your melanin, majesty, <laughs> you are more than enough. You are born a queen. You are of royalty, and you are more than capable of changing the world. Signed, Bobby Dance.